Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis... <laughs> ah, sorry, you know, I'm leaving that because I've already tried recording this like four or five times and the intro isn't working today, everybody. In this week's interview, we speak to Steve Reisner. Steve has been on the show before. He is the host of a show called Growing with Fishes, which focuses on aquaponics. We do speak about aquaponics in this episode, but the main focus was to get Steve on the show and talk to him about a piece of AI software he is helping develop. And this piece of software is gonna help people learn how to grow cannabis and take them step by step through everything. It's even gonna have a function where you can take a picture of your plant and it will tell you what's wrong with the plant and how to fix it. So it sounds like a really cool piece of software. So I wanted to get Steve on and talk about this, also talk about aquaponics. And of course we talk about AI, some time he spent in Thailand. We have a good conversation about loads of cool things. So roll yourself a fat one, get super high and I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. Hello, hello. Hey. There he is. Yes, Steve. How's it going, bro? Good. How's it going? Yeah, man. It seems like it's been ages since we've spoken. Is it like it's over a year, isn't it, since we've had you on the show last? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming to join us and all that. You know, it's as I said, it's been a while since you've been on the show and you've been doing a lot. Where in the world are you now? Are you back in the States? Are you still over in Thailand? Uh, I'm back in the US for now. Um, Thailand's getting a bit sketchy there at the moment with the uh the government wanting to move things back to 0.2 percent uh thc so mm-hmm. like a good time to come home and then i had to deal with some family stuff uh with my dad being right. sick so i had sense to come back yeah. for a bit yeah so you're in oklahoma so you are uh, at the moment i'm actually in tennessee working with uh, a lab out here oh cool cool you're still keeping busy still involved in the industry oh yeah Yep. I'm still doing still doing projects in different parts of the country too so mm-hmm. and you're still doing the podcast you're still on the growing with the fishes yep yeah we just had a, a couple of weeks where i was either traveling or had some other stuff going on with different events out here on the last couple of thursdays but we'll be back to normal here uh the next couple of weeks nice so I see mainly you've been busy working on and this is a, this is a topic that fascinates me i speak about it on a lot of Lots of different episodes that we've done. But uh, AI, man, you're working on these AI bots that can help the uh, diagnose deficiencies and excess and help you fix plants when they're having problems and shit like that. You're working oh, yes. on that, right? Oh, so what's yeah. the score, man? Yeah. Tell us about this this machine that's going to take over the world. Sure, yeah. And uh, I, can, <laughs> I can screen share some for you too. Uh... I think it's Alt-S to share screen. So you can be like, I live in uh, London, England. I have a four by 12 foot garden growing cannabis. I want to provide all of the nutrients from local British invasive plants. Give me uh, nutrient solution and for those who are not watching on the screen it's just uh it's like chat gpt you enter in a command there which you heard steve type out and then it's giving you an answer behind it as well you want to read out the answer there steve you want to yeah so it's coming it? up with uh invasive plants to britain nettle comfrey bramble japanese knotweed himalayan balsam um and then it goes through the nutrients uh what nutrients they're providing and then it tells you how to pre- prepare them, how many grams. Uh, so it says a kilogram of nettle, comfrey, and brown sugar. Um, and then it goes through a, a fish amino acid where it talks about you know getting some local fish or fish parts uh, to make that. And so something else that would be available in Britain. Uh, and then it uh, goes through how to make your, your potassium from the bramble. Uh, <laughs> and then had step-by-step how to do that with exact amounts. And then tells you how much to dose. So week one through four is one dosage. With one blend of those, week five through eight is another, and then week nine through twelve uh, is a different one. So, uh, and then kind of gives you, uh, you know, a, a bunch of recipes for, for how to go about it. It also does pest control stuff, so we can be like, 
I have powdery mildew on my tomatoes uh, and cucumbers give me a solution um, based on natural practices. So now it'll go through and you know tell you about um, powdery mildew and then it'll give you kind of a game plan. So it's telling you to make lactoacid bacteria serum. Mm -hmm. uh, give you the instructions mm -hmm. for it so that you can you know make it for yourself right away. So uh, I've noticed there. Um, I mean, yeah. did you you didn't specifically put in anything organic, but it seems to steer towards the K and F and natural farming direction right. of things. Right. Is That's that programmed into it? Yep. So this, so we have two different versions right now. The this version is all based on the natural farming practices. Oh um, right. So I it see does Shadam yeah. natural farming, uh, soil food web practices with not, with different compost teas. Uh, it does all those different kinds of, of applications and it can scale all the way up to acres or hectares mm -hmm. um, or nice. down to, you know, your small, you know, individual pots and everything in between. Okay. So not to That's... be redundant, but I'll just go ahead and ask. So this, this tool would be useful to mm -hmm. soil growers wanting to use natural input inputs only. Correct. Yep. This, yep. this is and, not for hydro guys or cocoa guys. This is a soil, soil tool. Well, so it gives mostly liquid uh, inputs. So you could absolutely use this if you're doing like organic hydro uh, uh -huh. or even wanting to have some supple supplementation with aquaponics. Um, okay. I am working on an aquaponic filter as well that'll basically just account for plants that'll be fish lethal because there are a few that do that. All right. Um, but um, can, can you, can you uh, try something they, for me? Can we run one? Can you say, in a cocoa, uh, I'll run a cocoa grow. We'll say Oklahoma natural inputs uh using whatever input you want but natural inputs for a cocoa grow let's see what it does because i've never seen any tool like this i mean cocoa immediately people want to run the salts so this will grow for hydroponic with for 24 so you just took for four by four oh well, that's fine 24 pots is fine i was gonna say four by four tent peppers that'll work uh and an organic hydroponic medium in Oklahoma. Okay. Give uh with a reservoir that is eighty gallon. Okay. Give me uh plant a liquid plant based solution. Why to provide all nutrients from local plants. Okay. There, there we go. Let's see what's So it's going after comfrey, nettle, dandelions, clovers, leavers, yeah, horsetail, horsetail. Yeah. It's giving you ingredients on how to make fermented plant juice and then uh, lacto lactic acid bacteria. Fish amino acid, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, this could actually be used for something like a cocoa grow. Then, if you want to go organic and, and locally sourced ingredients only, very yeah. cool. I like that. Usually, us cocoa what growers else? get abandoned on the side of the road, you know. And what mm -hmm. else is cool is um, like uh, it, it's coming up with really cool new solutions for KMF as well. So, for instance, it's doing like nutrient enriched um, uh, versions. Uh, of uh, IMO, so like IMO fours that are already infused in nutrients and stuff like that, and then mm -hmm. this is going to be our our first release candidate for our free version, which is coming out soon. Um, so you can see here, um, uh, this is doing uh, pepper garden and natural farming again, a similar kind of, of question, um, and then this came up with a slightly different one. It's saying using nettles, comfrey, dandelion, and yellow dock, which mm -hmm. are, are pretty readily available in the United States. Uh, mm -hmm. and I said be more specific and then you can see it breaks it down into the similar kind of detail as the the more upgraded version that we have right now but with this current based version we're going to be able to upgrade it significantly to be able to recognize pest pictures mm -hmm. and efficiencies and a bunch mm -hmm. of other cool stuff um we're just uh I take time to train it up for that and uh yeah, and yeah. we've been limited on resources until uh until recently where we've had a opened up our patreon and we've had a, a lot of support uh, around the world nice. so been really great and we're working on a new version of this as well that um will have just a button so people won't even have to read mm -hmm. they won't even have to be literate um they can do that now what, what else is cool is i'll flip back to the the uh 
the other version real quick. Um, it, it speaks lots of different languages. So, and that was something that was important to the project. So, uh, tell me that in Hindi. Oh, cool. So you just uh, just tell it like that straight away to translate. And does he <laughs> do a decent job? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had. Can you read Hindi? Oh, I can't uh, read Hindi, but I, right. it's just an example. But we had um we had a guy from uh, uh one of the seed people online that I talked to, and he was mm -hmm. using it speaking Farsi in Afghanistan and and in this one place where they were growing stuff, and uh, nice. they were doing translations. And we've had a bunch of people in in all different t types of different countries. I know it does Thai, it does you know Ukrainian, it does Spanish, it does mm -hmm. uh, all different types of different languages. Uh, uh, pretty easily so that it already does over 125 different languages so it also democratizes the whole idea of natural farming um, you know a lot of these different languages don't really have a, a you know mm. master chose book that they can go read or a jadam book because it's never been yeah. translated this does all of that on the fly for their individual garden recipes um, and it connects into a database of uh, over 40,000 plants that I've put together um, originally with a project that I started called the open nutrient project um, so it knows all the different parts per million of all these different plants, uh, and then it you know also searches for for where they what else is nearby. So then it can make these balanced composts or inputs or plant ferments that dial in to be similar to you know like a chemical solution like you would have for salt because those those mineral parts per million are are going to be in a similar percentage, um, mm -hmm. and allow people to kind of really dial in their production and not have to worry about guessing oh is this the right mm. amount of you know xyz input to put in well okay well if the inputs are this much parts per million we you know we know that this much of it is available after this much time in lactobacillus or an imo ferment or whatever it is that we're doing um, mm. then we can make a you know educated guess within you know a small margin of error on what the output's going to be <laughs> excuse me i did notice when you were inputting stuff there as well how you use tomatoes uh you didn't actually mention cannabis can you not it, it, are you not oh. allowed to mention cannabis in that? You know what oh, I mean? Oh, no, it'll, it, do, it, it'll do cannabis. Fine, yeah. All right. You were just using those as, as examples. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I was just trying to show that it does lots of different crops. That was the... Mm -hmm. I, we can totally do cannabis if you want to in, in one of the... Yeah, this whole AI there. thing, man, it's a very interesting tool that we're all getting. It's just thrust upon us now. It's it's amazing what it's capable of. And this is what we're going to see for a while, isn't it? Going off into these individual more uh, more precise markets rather than just being a generic one for everything it's an interesting concept man is it just you working on this do you got a team working on it what's, what's this how is it being yeah. developed sure so we have a whole team of people over at um, copyleft cultivars um, they are a really awesome group that originally started off to do um, an open source registration of, of genetics for different uh, crops and we're moving on to um, uh, that's about to launch along with the whole Phyto Galaxy. So it'll be similar to some of the other Phyto Galaxies like Medicinal Genomics has, um, except mm -hmm. this will be all be open source registered cannabis genetic, uh, as well as other vegetable crops or fruit trees or nut trees or whatever else is, uh, is out there. So it'll really help um, reduce the, uh, or really help in give people a new avenue to open source their genetic in a way that's simple, that has the way that everyone can kind of go online and check it out and see how all the different, um, you know, plant genetics are related to each other uh, in one simple place. And that'll be launching here at some point in the first quarter of, of uh, this year as well. Um, nice. That's, that's I assume that's going to be to do with the blockchain. That's going to be on the blockchain or something. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because then it's tied to an e-contract uh, through the NFT system and blockchain. Cool. And then you have it all... Uh, all locked up into a, a ledger that you know is then tied to the the genetics of that seed, so allows people. So that's to a, that's a nice all. way. Sorry, uh, it's a nice way of um, because in the cannabis world, I'm sure as you know, people's genetics get ripped off all the time, and this is going to be a way that uh, can try and prevent that in the future, so the genetics mm -hmm. can be actually traced back to the right place. That's really cool. Man. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's also a cool way because you know even um, we're going to set aside a part of the funds. For the the group to basically help individuals from like Native American cultures or different uh, not even just Native Americans but you know indigenous cultures around the world um, mm -hmm. that want to submit some of their genetics to, to stop that from being stolen as well so uh, you know that'll be 
part of the project. And, and we're developing different tools to try to help make it easier for farmers that are trying to do all this. And one of them we came up with that a lot of us had some experience with playing around with was uh, this AI. And um, when uh, and Caleb approached me about working on it and combining the nutrient data I had from the Open Nutrient Project, it like, you know, all of a sudden it made all the calculations super accurate and, and much more dialed in in terms of percentages of, of nutrients. So uh, mm -hmm. it really was a, a great marriage of, of data sets. And they put a lot of time on the, you know, Roger and Caleb and a bunch of other people on the team who really put a lot of time in uh, to um, to making it happen. So we have about 12 people in total uh, that help nice. with different parts of the project. So it's a pretty great team. Yeah, it must be must be really interesting to be working with this new machine learning and this this AGI that we have nowadays, man. It, is it just like a an open source version of ChatGPT, if you know what I mean? Is that what you're working on essentially? Is it just a, a version of ChatGPT? Well, the first one we built was based on GPT four. Um, the right. new one we're we're doing off of an open source one, and it allows us mm -hmm. to train the model a little bit more. It takes us more time to like make big upgrades on it um, than it does with uh, the online based one. But we have a lot more control mm -hmm. over the data, and it's we can sit there and you know between the group of us, you know, let it train up on a different uh, on different things as we need to. So um, that makes it just much more manageable. Plus, we can add more modules to it and things like that to, to add a lot more capabilities to it much easier now that we have, you know, enough data to, to keep going from where we are. So it'll really allow us to really evolve it quickly. And um, and how we're doing this is we have a Patreon for people that want to get early access to the new beta versions. Uh, you can donate and help us over there. And then if you just want to wait and get the free version, the first free version should be out here in the next 30 to 45 days. Um, it's in beta right now, and then that'll go out, and it'll be, um, you know, a, a slightly, uh, slightly less advanced than the than the all the beta version that we always have available uh, in the back end. But it'll have most of the same features um, available for anybody for free. So, so question on that: um, you you keep saying you can get the free version, you can get the beta version. Is this this is web based, or is this uh, actually an uh, standalone on on your machine? This is a currently it's all web based, right? Um, I guess we could, uh, in the future, make it available offline. I'm not sure if that's something that we've uh, tried to work on at the moment, but um, it's definitely something that uh, I could definitely see us doing in the future, and maybe an app form or something like that. Yeah, that would actually give uh, access to people who don't have an internet connection could still get get the goodness out of out of your tool here. That would be very sure. nice. You know, think yeah, about. Yeah, no, that would be great. Think about people, I mean, think about, I mean, stereotypical African farmer, you know, that kind of situation. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have an internet connection, but if he has any way that he can run this tool, he's got a way to, to, to make a living and feed himself, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah. And that was really the point of of uh, trying to, to make this is that, you know, when I was in Africa and things like that, uh, especially Zimbabwe, you know, it's all, people are spending 80% of their income on, uh, 80, 85% of their income on fertilizers and pesticides and things like that if they just had a simple tool that could allow them to you know make a list of the plants that's on their property and um you know put that into the, the ai and then let it figure out you know the percentages of the compost or the um the the ferments or their teas or things like that um the free version uh, has a lot more of the compost data and uh, soil data stuff than the uh, the other version that we have right now. Uh, we haven't combined those those two backends yet, so um, that will have a lot more of the soil the soil versions as well uh, in terms of building nutrient balanced compost. Uh, it's, it has a broader broader training on a wider range of different backgrounds, but um, it really allows people to kind of make their own solution. You know, if people can make their own teas and ferments and and pesticides and compost the right way mm -hmm. they don't have to buy that stuff anymore and that really can give them a lot more money but even if you're just a farmer growing in your backyard it can really save you a lot of money or if you have a bigger property you can really you know make a lot of use of that of stuff that maybe you didn't realize or hey now you have a use for all of that invasive plant that you know you didn't realize you could use for in your garden you know mm -hmm. whoever it is that you see that can kind of help you so the, the term AI gets thrown around a lot. So is this actually an AI tool that's actually learning better ways to do things on the fly as it's sourcing things from people? Or is this basically just a very advanced searchable database? 
So this is a bit of both. So okay. we do have a, a huge database that we've put together already that on a lot of the different things. And it also has a full library of like the different training protocols for the different, you know, okay, what is a fish amino acid? What is a, you know, IMO1, IMO2, IMO3, IMO4, so, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but also, you know, different compost training. So it has all those different things into it. Um, and then it does its own thinking and solutions. It also knows, you know, where a lot of these, uh, we have some databases on where a lot of these plants live and stuff like that as well, so that it can mm -hmm. quickly search for them. So it's kind of a, it does a lot. And we're constantly working on new features. We had a, a really good suggestion about, you know, crop suggestions for your given regions. And that's something that we'll be adding in the near future. We really want to get the voice part working before we really do any other large upgrades on, on the back end. But we have a, a whole roadmap of features that we were going to add. And, and people are giving us great suggestions all the time. So, you know, we'll kind of uh, slowly upgrade it as we're able to, to fund it. And sometimes it takes just paying for, for GPU and CPU time. Training it up mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, this whole AI thing is very interesting shit. Uh, I love it. I do. It's a very interesting concept indeed, man. Uh, it's uh, it's going to take over the world in ways we don't even know yet. Are you concerned about any of that, Steve? What's your, what's your stance on AI in general? What do you think about all of this? I think in general, it's going to create a lot of havoc and probably hasten the the need for some kind of UBI. Um, because you're going to have all of these middle class workers that aren't used to being their jobs being affected by technology suddenly uh, losing their jobs to technology. You know, whereas mm -hmm. plumbers and electricians and construction guys, well, they're not going to have their jobs affected very much by AI because half of that stuff can't be done, you know, by a robot, at least not mm -hmm. yet or anytime soon. So I think that's going to yeah. definitely disrupt a lot of things. The other thing too would be if you had all robotic farming. 70% of the world gets its income from agriculture, right? So what happens to all of those people for income? Like, mm -hmm. That's a problem I've never heard anyone actually have a good answer for. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, and with uh, driving as well, this is, uh, you know, with automated driving and things like that, like 30% of jobs are made up in driving things. So if that becomes automated, that's a shitload of jobs to be taken out of the system. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Self-driving cars, mm -hmm. self-driving trucks. Yep. Mm -hmm. Trains, planes, uh, everything. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, oil tankers, all yep. these big ships, cruise ships, taxis, all of these things Good will thing. be uh, controlled by machine. Sorry, Steve. Good thing weed's not self-growing, right? <laughs> yeah for now for now <laughs> imagine when the robots are growing really good shit it's like yeah i don't know about that you know i mean he yeah. grows good weed but you know the yeah. t2000 over there <laughs> yeah i'm working on that that cross there you know that's few strains together i'm gonna have that self-growing magic mm -hmm. plant soon you know just put it in the ground and it's done what does it taste like diesel oh and the robots <laughs> had a leak exactly this... <laughs> this robo kush <laughs> robo kush i love it yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, how was Thailand, Steve? You you, you came back from Thailand now. You in the USA? How was the whole growing experience yeah. out there? Thailand was fun. Definitely learned some more stuff on pest control and things like that. Definitely jealous of some of the pest control options they have out there compared to here. They have like five and one bio controls and shit like that. You you well, can't you, do that in the US because they were unsafe or something. Is there a certain reason why? No, no, no. So in the United States, you, if you're using biological control agents, you're only allowed to put one per um, can, like package, right? So for instance, like uh, a product like Velifer, for instance, is a, a brand of Bavaria Bastiana that's really good in the United States. It's not the cheapest one either. Um, that You can only have Bavaria Bastiana and you couldn't have Bavaria Bastiana and Metarizium and then have it pass like the the EPA's registration because they don't allow you to combine biocontrols. Um, I mean, it's just one of the rules. Whereas in, in Asia, you can have like six or seven different beneficial fungi that will, you know, kill insects in one application. So it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then just seeing all the different types of, of plants across Thailand. Uh, I was working in Pechaboon there for a while. Uh, the first six months and then uh, worked up in Chiang Mai for a bit, spent some time down in Bangkok near Samuprakan and a bunch of other parts of Thailand. And uh, it was just really neat to see the different out in Buriram as well. 
um and got to see a bunch of different you know varieties you know especially the the temple tie the really giant one uh, that that canopy tie found those were super neat um they get about 10 feet tall after week nine in germination and uh, they can get 20 feet tall most of the ones that i saw when he got the first plants were about 20 to 23 feet tall um they were taller than his house was the stock it was fucking crazy they brought what plants the were they not cannabis plants yeah, no, cannabis plant. Dude, yeah, 23 yeah. foot tall. Yeah. Damn. I've ever seen. But it had like big, giant, peachy smelling dogs on it, too. Like it wasn't just like a fiber hemp variety. Like, whoa. It clearly had like, uh, uh, you know, so we actually uh, did a release of those with Jordan River uh, over on Growcast. So there's there's some of those out and about in the. Nice. Uh, <laughs> did you manage to try world. any of the bud? Oh, yeah. It was really good. It's nice peach tasting. Um, you know, it's not the densest stuff in the world, but it's mm-hmm. you get so much of it off of one plant. It's like, okay, well, who cares? <laughs> and you can, it's really good for crossing it too. You cross that with someone that chunks out, man, you're gonna have monsters. You know, it's more. Damn, than, yeah. More than but I haven't seen anything that had the vigor. I mean, even when we were taking clones and trimming, the the plants would be a good foot and a half to two feet taller than its sisters on like we, you know, day nine or ten when you're ready to cut clones again. It would be, you know, again, a good foot and a half to two feet taller than all the rest of the plants in the greenhouse. Like, I've never seen any plant grow as fast as that did. Wow. That was really neat. And then also, too, just, like, the differences in, like, in the rice paddy areas and the more humid areas, it was much more lemonine dominant. Uh, And Hmm. in the mountains, it was more mango and sandalwood. Oh, right. That was where we found one or two chocolates was up in the mountains. So um, different terpene profile the, depending on elevation. Yeah, and, and the climate, you know, how, how bad was the humidity? You know, it seemed like mm. that also played a big factor for, for mold resistance or whatever. There you go. So when you picked say, up those when you picked up those seeds from, from let's say up the mountain and you grow them down low, the terpene profile stays the same. It should. I mean, logically. Yeah, it, I'm not sure if it was identical, but it definitely, you know, you, you could smell, you know, still smelled like mango or chocolate or whatever. Right. The biggest thing is all the chocolates were hermaphrodites. Like I've only known oh, uh, one person that found uh, a, a chocolate that was not hermy. So but all the ones I had, I and mean, we even had one that was really, really good. It smelled like a deep, like fudge chocolate. It smelled so good, but it would throw like male branches on like week four of flower. It was so Dang. frustrating. So you can get chocolate weed, but you just have to be very diligent when you grow it. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're growing any of those tiny land races, you know, if, if you ever get your hands on any, just keep a real close eye on them and flower because a lot of them will be do just fine. And then, you know, everything will be hunky-dory. And then week five, it'll just decide to throw a male branch. It, it's just really annoying. Damn. You're just out of nowhere like that. Yeah, it's to be expected. You know, if you can expect it, then it's easier to look out, look out for, you know? If you're not expecting it, and then all of a sudden there's just some male flowers throwing out, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you just yeah. got to have to check it more often if you're... Uh, I mean, if you can catch the the nut sacks and take them off before they become a problem, then, uh, then you'll be okay, right? Then you won't have seedy buds. Do you think that's possible? I mean, you can, but at the same time, those buds, if you were trying to grow to, like, make seeds or stabilize it, you know, mm-hmm. that you're still a problem, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're just trying to smoke it, yeah, you could totally just pluck the male. But it's really hard to get the male flowers off without getting some pollen on the plant. Yeah, it's, especially if it's a huge plant. So you're not going to be able to get them all, are you? Yeah. yeah. Mission, man. But how's the podcast though? Because you've been extremely busy. How's things going with growing with the fishes? It's it's doing well. Yeah, we've had a bunch of cool uh, interviews. We just did one, a really cool one with Mister Grow It uh, cool, recently, man. and we've had some other cool ones. We have uh, Alan Rockefeller, the mycologist. He's going to be coming on the show soon. I've been talking to him, um, nice. and we've been playing playing tag on recording. And then we have Dragonfly Earth Medicine coming on soon. We have some other cool people uh, coming up on the show, and then. Uh, yeah, some other cool content I'll be doing. I have a big, uh, be doing a big um, in-person aquaponic masterclass out in Oklahoma this year. So we'll be doing lots of cool, sweet, uh, new, like setup videos on different setups for different things, and that'll be going up on the YouTube channel. 
and I'll have a bunch of cool new content on that uh, out of that build. And then I'm going to do some like home kitchen series stuff too. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me lately on like how to do home preps and different stuff. So I think we're going to do some more kitchen videos uh, because those are those are always really popular. I know they're definitely uh, been the number two and three videos on my YouTube channel. So um, it's always funny the ones that end up being the most popular, you know. Mm -hmm. and are you growing now as well you, do you even have time because you're so busy man yeah are you growing your own at home yeah i mean i have a, a couple plants here where, where i'm sweet at but uh uh you know uh are you growing those yeah aquaponically no no i'm just doing soil at the moment just standard so uh, like living soil super soil kind of thing yep cool man did, did you build it yourself no it was just I had a place nearby where I could talk a couple of plants for somebody and, and uh, else was growing them and it just made it convenient uh, uh, while I'm uh, waiting to get her in between places. Mm Yeah, we'll just say the other day because that could be between like now and 10 years ago. But he said uh, he was discussing with you what the best kind of growing system is. And you said uh, aquaponics because you can harvest protein with this method. <laughs> you know, when you're doing um, when you're growing aqu
down to your same reservoir and then just have the Y for the pump split between the grow bed and the fish tank. And you can, that's the super easiest way to do it. It'll cost you like 50 mm. bucks US to, to convert your system over. And then you can, you know, put those freeloading fish to work growing you some weed. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and if you can get them fucking 15 grand carbs as well, let them grow as well. <laughs> yeah. They've been living yeah. this lavish lifestyle. Everybody would like, you oh, it must be a drug dealer. But no, you just grow weed and sell fish, you know? <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, but I used to breed betas too. Like some of the rarer betas can sell for 250 bucks a pop. And you can wow. get, you know, 80 to 120, you know, babies per, per hatch. So. And you can sit around and wow. breed betas all day and, you know, coffee cups and, and make quite a good good chunk of change. Yeah, that's crazy, man. You know, the return on investment is high, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just found it baffling how these, these koi carps can sell for so much money, but it's got to be the genetics in them. It's similar to cannabis seeds, I suppose, you know, where some seeds are very expensive and some seeds are very cheap. And the difference is mainly the genetics that make it up if you want to if you want to see the really crazy ones look into some of the specialty freshwater stingrays and the specialty arowanas the arowanas are a south american fish it means a fish a water monkey but they have these beautiful ones that look like sorry is it called arowanas arowana yeah wow so you can be growing marijuana and arowana at the same time exactly all the water <laughs> oh, the one! <laughs> Some of those, like dribble lines, go for one hundred twenty thousand dollars a piece. But uh, a lot of the oh, super reds and the platinums, I mean, they consistently go for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. They're really popular in the Asian, um, uh, Asian markets, especially you know people from China and Japan. They'll, uh, especially businessmen, will keep one in their office or their their meeting room or uh, at their home as like a a good luck sign for their business. And there, mm. there's a whole culture around them, and uh, people will spend ludicrous amounts of money on nice ones. Damn. Yeah. Is it extra work, or is it, would you say it was less work? Because you're not going to feed the plants any salt-based nutrients, I assume. It's just going to all be coming from the fish, and you'll be feeding the fish anyway. Yeah, so you actually have to do some adjustments. For instance, like iron, manganese, and molybdenum. Um, tend to be oxidized or used up by the plant at a, at a faster rate than what is going to be generated by the fish waste. So you do have to okay. supplement those. Um, and then you have to adjust your pH, make sure that stays stabilized, usually with calcium and potassium, and to kind of passively supplement those um, while mm-hmm. we're keeping the system balanced. But Is that a um, problem for know, the fish? No, no, we're, we're running levels that are far below, you know, any kind of fish toxicity levels. Okay. Um, for any of that you know the nice thing about with aquaponics is you have about 168 percent of the biodiversity of good living soil uh, in terms right, of total species so, wow that's, that's, yeah, a, a, that's a lot yeah there's a really cool study that um the aquaponics association put together did a uh a comparison uh, to a bunch of uh, living soil facilities that were doing all organic certified vegetables and um, ended up with 168% more uh, biodiversity on average for across those different facilities. So, wow, man. Yeah. And uh, so you end mm-hmm. up with a lot more ways that the plants can absorb nutrients, right? It doesn't have just one pathway to absorb nitrogen and break it down in, or iron. It has lots of different ways to do it. Um, so, you know, you end up not having to run as high nutrient levels. You can run for most nutrients, you know, an eighth or a quarter of what you would for hydroponics because it's hyper bioavailable. You know, the plants uptake it much more readily um, because you have all the microbial life there and you have, um, you know, all those different ways for it to get into the plant compared to with soil. Mm. So when we speak to, I mean, I'm sure you know, when you speak to like hydroponic growers versus soil growers versus living soil slash organic growers, it seems to be the majority of people would say that that natural organic growing method is the way to produce the best high quality bee cannabis because of the bacteria in the soil. And if the aquaponics has 168% of the living organisms that live in soil does, does it mean that aquaponic grown plants taste better than uh, ordinary organics? Is there a difference? Is it noticeable? Sure. So we, we've always crushed all of our soil controls when we've done side-by-sides, usually by uh, one to oh, sometimes two and a half percent terpene levels 
higher in the aquaponics uh, domain. Wow. So that, and there, there's a really good um, study that was published um, that was in the uh, virtual aquaponic uh, cannabis conference on my YouTube channel, which you guys can check out. The whole thing is for free if anyone wants to go back and check it. But Aquilatoth actually showed all of their internal testing data as well. Um, so it's not just me that, you know, hit these numbers. There's other companies working with universities and they're having the exact same results. And again, why, you know, this is the reason why living soil and aquaponics or any of these, you know, more organic systems is going to give you better terpenes and flavors is because the plant's producing those as part of its immune system response, right? And it's not going to have those genes activated unless there's some kind of microbial stimulus to turn those genes on, usually through the root zone, sometimes through the leaf tissue. Um, so if those microbes are present, then they're going to activate those, um, you know, genes in the plant, you know, genetic material. And then now it's going to make those secondary metabolites uh, mm -hmm. or increase the production of the secondary metabolites to try and make it more, you know, uh, able to resist, resist and withstand the environment. So it's going to increase terpenes and cannabinoids and, you know, flavonoids and ester production, um, you know, to, to adjust for that. That's the reason why they actually, you're always going to get better flavor from your garden tomato in your backyard or your lettuce that you grew yourself in the good soil or aquaponics than you would in a hydro system or in the stuff from the grocery store that was, you know, just grown on nutrients and nothing else. Um, mm. And uh, it doesn't have those microbes to turn those genes on. Why is it going to waste energy to produce, you know, these complex compounds like flavonoids or terpenes, which are pretty energy intensive for the plant? when it, it doesn't have, see any microbes that I have to worry about, right? It, 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 it totally mm. makes sense from an energy yeah. usage standpoint on the plant. So that's the reason why you have those those differences with the, those different types of grow methods. Damn. So let's say, for that, example. Though, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. Way to, because, uh, yeah, I mean, going from pure salts, adding microbes, my cocoa grow started producing, uh, you know, bud that was, you know, going to be close not not exactly as good, but close to a, a soil-grown bud. If I can get enough microbes in there, so I did not, mm -hmm. I wasn't aware that that diversity of the microbes is what I need. So maybe it gives me a few more ideas of where to go for this. Then, very cool. Yeah, very cool, man. I was wondering that. Let's say, for example, there you have four plants, four plants in cocoa, and you're gonna have a recirculating system. You know, like. Say it comes from the fish tank down into the cocoa, waters it. The the water drips through the cocoa, runs off to the bottom, and then the that's collected and sent back into the fish tank. Is that kind of setup is possible, right? Or will that affect yeah. the fish? No, the that would totally be fine. Just be mindful that the uh, the cocoa needs to either be aged or you need to make sure that you really kind of over mm -hmm. buffer the pH a little bit or increase the calcium levels in the beginning until you can get that. Because otherwise what happens sometimes is you can get like really weird calcium and phosphorus uptake issues sometimes because of the mm -hmm. lower levels if you don't. So you, uh, okay. I would just advise that you, you know, make sure that your pH is like 7.2 or 7.4 when you start off with it. Um, and it'll help uh, kind of account for that the easiest right. way. Would that be the same principle with soil? Or is that just, uh, say, for example, instead of the parts having cocoa in, they have soil in, in the same system running from the fish tank to auto-water the soil and then flood back into the fish tank. Would that be a problem? I would assume the soil has more uh, crap in it than cocoa does, so would that contaminate yeah, the water? Literal crap in it, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. Sure, so if you do, you can do wicking beds, which is what you described. Um, right. What we usually do is a, a flood and drain where it, there's a... Uh, a flood and drain layer, and then the, the soil layer is actually above that, so that just gets top watered from the system with a little you know sprayer on a timer, mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't really drip through very much, um, if cool. at all. Um, right. So yeah, that's no runoff in that case. Okay. Yeah, but if you just did a wicking bed, you can totally have it do just what you were describing. What you want to do is just have it kiss maybe the bottom quarter to half inch of the pot uh, of soil, so the water goes up that mm. way and then the other adjustment you would make is just add extra aeration so you'd add extra lava rock or pumice or you know, perlite or, or yeah. whatever it is that you're going to do to add aeration to it so um just to make sure it, it you know it can breathe um, but that would be mm. the other adjustment i would do uh, and then if you are going to run with with waking beds and stuff like that um, i always recommend doing lactobacillus dosing at least once every other week because um, it'll help keep those from getting anaerobic 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. man. Fuck. You know, what kind of fish tank are you, and how many fish would you need to uh, keep four plants again? Let's work with the four plants, the four by four. To keep four plants in a four by four happy, what kind of fish tank size and how many fish in it would be best? Sure. So if you're just doing four plants in a four by four, you know, you're going to want a minimum of like a 40 gallon, uh, ideally 55 gallons or bigger um, aquarium in order to uh, to uh, have enough you know, volume uh, to provide the nutrients for those plants uh, in the latter half of their life. Um, alternatively, you could get away with something smaller as long as you're feeding the fish like three to five times a day um, and kind of making up for it that way. Uh, you could get away with, you know, something even as small as maybe a 29 um, on the smallest end, but you really should be. <laughs> so you just essentially, if it's a smaller tank, you need to feed the fish more so they poop more. That's it. Yeah. 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 In a nutshell, that's yeah, you, all. Yeah. It's kind of a ratio of biomass to fish that can produce poop to you know tank space so it's kind of you're hitting the bottom edge of that i mean when i, I was I'm a also... kid sorry when i was a kid um we had goldfish and they used to sometimes feed the goldfish and you get this little thing you open it's got flakes in it smells like fish you, you sprinkle them on the water and my mom would used to tell you she would say that they're, they're, <laughs> they've only got three second memories so don't feed them too much because they'll eat themselves to death <laughs> do fish actually do that well, i've i've had fish do that um wow. but it's usually with live foods not not with the flake foods but a lot of fish will actually overfeed uh, wow. to the point of death it's not common but mm -hmm. i've seen it happen well there was a, a one question in chat earlier since you were talking about types of fishes in the kind of system uh but it was questioned uh, do different fishes produce better shit than others was the question hmm. oh yeah so um, different types of fish will produce different types of waste. So you have, um, uh, for instance, uh, herbivores are going to produce a lot more phosphorus and potassium in their waste. Uh, and then herbivores, carnivores are going to produce more nitrogen because the protein gets converted to nitrogen. So if you're going to do like a veg system or a nursery system, um, you're going to want to do, you know, carnivores on that system. And then for your flowering system, you know, if you're doing it at a real large scale, you're going to want to have um, you know, herbivore, paku or koi or something that you can kind of feed much more of a herbivorous diet. Wow. Didn't know that. So you actually have two different systems, ideally there. So you could switch from one to the other as, as the plants mature then. Wow. So what we do now for most of the bigger systems is we'll have one centralized fish room and we'll have like one or two tanks of carnivores. And then the rest of the tanks will be herbivores or omnivores. And then each greenhouse bay or room will be tied to a, re a sump system. And then we can reroute any of the fish tanks to any of the sumps. Mm -hmm. So I can maintain a, a constant nutrient base, but then I can adjust the the nitrogen levels based on if it's in flower or veg, um, you know, carnivores versus herbivores. And that really gives you a lot of control um, mm -hmm. and without having to necessarily re get rid of the whole nutrient batch. You know what I mean? Yep. I get it. Uh, and I would take it that, uh, because you can have these different fishes producing different different things and there are different variances of fishes there is there any specific number of of uh, fish you have to have per plant kind of thing or that that's i mean it's, because fish are different sizes my, my guess would be no you know you, you have to kind of base it on something else maybe so we do about 0. 0.7 um gallon fish tank gallons per square foot of canopy mm -hmm. uh, and then we race we base it on that so and then that'll get you to the right fish uh, stocking density you know you just stock the tanks for you know um that are regular based around the, the gallon inch yeah, yeah about an inch per gallon or you know in, if you're doing high density you know two to two and a half inches per gallon um of fish so or a pound per per four gallon you know is the other other rule to look at it okay that's a lot mm -hmm. to it yeah but this way you get the nitrogen it basically is just a nitrogen calculator um, for for getting you the right nitrogen output if you're feeding them, you know, at a proper growth rate. Oh, does your uh, does your AI tool uh, deal with uh, aquaponics? So it, I have a whole separate version I'm working on that'll be released in April. That'll be okay. just for aquaponics specifically. Um, it'll kind of be released right around when my my next uh, my next um, 
uh, classes released. So they'll kind of be like a companion for it. So, but we'll be releasing that separately as well for people that want it, um, that, that uh, need help with their aquaponic. Nice. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's such a uh, interesting system, but it's also one that it would be, in my opinion, a little harder to, to master, but the tool would definitely help for sure. Oh yeah. And it's something that, you know, the aquaponics industry really, and I've, I've done two presentations on this, could learn a lot from the cannabis industry, right? Like we're not really regulated yet, but they're kind of looking at us to regulate us, you know, making white lists like the cannabis industry has done uh, for inputs and pesticides and, and some of the other things that the cannabis industry has gotten ahead of the regulators on. You know, I think a lot of other agriculture industries could really learn from um, mm -hmm. to try to stave off, you know, legislation that they don't like. One other thing I forgot to mention about your your fish food, like if you ever grow carnivorous plants, like pitcher plants, like nepenthes or honeydews or any of the other carnivorous plants, the fish food flake is actually one of the best foods you can give them to, to make them grow faster. Hmm. So just fish food flakes, like that old, uh, what, that tetramin kind of, whatever that stuff yep. is. That, wow. Okay. Oh, so, yes, yeah, so I can just feed my Venus flytrap fish food flakes. Yeah, you just put them in there and then tickle it, and then it'll it'll eat it, and then it basically mimics like the similar diet to what an insect would be, and then it'll cool. Yeah, it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice. my uh, my nepenthes, I, I feed them uh, fish pellets for like tickling. Now, Venus flytraps are really finicky, man. So like you have to use a paperclip if you're going to give it like food that doesn't move. You have to use a paperclip or something, so when it closes, you can still wiggle because. If something falls on it, it will close. And if it doesn't move around on the inside, you consider it like a leaf or a piece of debris, and then it will open up and split it out. So you got to keep it moving for a couple of minutes while uh, it's actually closed. It's a cool process, man. Venus flytraps are very cool. Mine, mine's in the garden wintering right now because you have to let them go through their wintering phase. But, yeah, random tangent. As we cool do, plants, they're, man. They're, yeah. they're native to uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. That's right. Yeah. In like in nutrient void soil of where there's nothing in it whatsoever, like some kind of moss it grows in. Because even if you feed it tap water, it can kill the thing because it needs zero nutrients. It gets it all from uh, the eating of bugs. Mm -hmm. Cool plants, man. Cool plants. Oh, those drosseras, the the honeydew plants are great to keep in your house too, because mm. they'll eat all the fruit flies and the fungus gnats and any of those little annoying bugs. They're great nice. for just passively eating all those guys. Yeah, I want one that'll so eat cool. spiders. That's what I want. The spider. Well, you want to eat spider? Do you have uh, deadly spiders down south in the USA? No, we just have little ones every now and then. They just are, you know, a nuisance more than anything else. Spiders yeah. are cool. Spiders are cool. You especially just ignore them. Uh, you work in a symbiotic relationship together. Yeah, but they lead yeah. them damn webs around, man. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to walk into one of them in Australia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> imagine it, you know, if you walk into a spider web, you kind of freak out anyway. But if you're in Australia and you walk into a fucking spider web, you're freaking out, man. Mm -hmm. no, get it off, get it off, get it. <laughs> now nah, we have you know, we don't have any deadly spiders here like that, but uh, we have you know a good three-inch spiders. So yeah, you, you walk into mm -hmm. one of those webs and you just know he's on you somewhere. You start screaming and running. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. so i laugh at myself just thinking about it but yeah 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 aquaponics is such a cool system man such a cool system uh, i would like i've never seen anybody growing an aquaponics setup you know like over on the forum and things like that i've seen hydros it seen it all i've never seen anybody with an actual aquaponics setup it would be very cool man i would love to do it, but uh, a setup that size is going to be expensive don't you think steve how much do you think a setup if you don't have the fish tank and all the fish already, how much is it going to cost to set up for a 4x4? Four four? So the cheapest I've done, uh, about a 4x4, four four, and this was building the, the whole thing from scratch. Uh, I've, I think I have a, a video on it on my YouTube channel. If not, I know it's in the Facebook group. Um, but it was about $200 with the hardware store for a piece of liner and then making a basic wood frame. And oh, a 2 by 4 and, and, uh, and a pump and... Uh, you know, everything you needed, you know, in the timer. Oh, and, you know, the whole night. Yeah, I thought it nail. would have been really expensive. Damn, that's that's a, that's a good price, $200. Yeah, and if you're recycling, you know, you can probably do it for, if you are if you get some of the parts from, you know, uh, we have a place in the U.S. called Resource where people kind of drop off stuff that they don't need anymore. It's like a home, con like a home construction store 
or like mm. a hardware store, but it's like a you can donate stuff for tax purposes. It's pretty neat, but uh, often you can find different pond stuff and things like that there that you could easily do, and maybe even get it down to fifty or hundred bucks, um, you know, out of pocket. Mm, that's not bad at all. I would have thought it would have been uh, around a thousand, maybe. But I'm thinking, you know, I've get you know, you would be getting a fish tank that looks really nice, but you can pretty much just make a pond, couldn't you? You don't need to have a fish tank that looks really nice. You just set up a pond and get all the equipment. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool, man. And if you just want to, you know, you can always get uh, fish tanks for cheaper or free, almost on on Facebook Marketplace or. Any mm-hmm. of those other similar kind of, uh, you know, marketplace apps, you know, there's always people giving them away or you know, flea markets, people don't want them anymore, or garage sales, people trying to get rid of them. And you can usually pick up one and clean it up pretty pretty easily with some vinegar for, for not that much money too. Mm. Now, how often, I suppose you need to keep replacing the water, say if you're watering each plant every day with two litres, and you've got four of them, that's eight litres a day that need to be put back into the the tank. Does that affect, like, a, you know, if the, if the fish ain't pooping enough, does it give the plants enough nutrients? What what do you do if you have a nutrient deficiency? What can you do? Uh, so if the, you kind of have to look and see what the, what's wrong with the plants, but um, there's different nutrients you can add, you know, for iron, you can add DTPA um, for, um other things you can add, um, you know, manganese. You can add manganese sulfate, molybdenum. You could add sodium molybdenate. It just depends on what it is that you need. Um, we have a full list of all those over at trueaquaponics.com. Uh, I work with them. We actually dose about half a million gallons of commercial facilities around the country each month, where um, we manage nice. their nutrient levels uh, remotely. So they send out the samples, and then we um, we do all the dosing. But you can get all the nutrients you need. You just put in the size of your system uh, on the website. And then, um, you know, you can get exactly what you need in the right dosage and then you just tear it open and pour it in. You don't have to worry about getting the amount right or anything. We, we'd make it as simple as possible so that you don't have to know anything about chemistry. You know, just, I don't know what the answer is. This is what's wrong. And then it'll tell you what, what you need to get. So. Mm-hmm. That's it. Keeping it simple is the best way. And the, the easier you can make it for people, the better. Yeah. yeah. That seemed like a big barrier when I was getting into this in aquaponics and kind of help build some tools around that uh, and uh, work with those guys over at True Aquaponics to kind of make it as simple as possible so it's not intimidating for people that are just trying to get into it. Nice. Damn, man. You've always, uh, you're always doing so much as well, working with these different companies and setting up the uh, the, S- the standard operating procedures and all that, the SOPs, that was called. Yeah, yeah. Always doing lots of cool stuff, man. Keeping busy in the industry. What's next for you? What would you have uh, planned in the future for potent ponics and growing with the fishes? I'm working on some um, some product releases and some edibles and some mushroom tech stuff. Sweet. Here. Oh, mushroom uh, shit as well. Uh, cool. Month. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have some of those starting to hit the market in the next few months. Uh, oh, the that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have... Uh, some other stuff releasing here later in the year uh, as well for for genetics we'll have some more Thai genetic drops i got some working with some groups there now and uh, we have some other stuff another drop from mr green jeans garden uh mr original mr green jeans um so that'll be cool we'll have some cool stuff he's actually doing a, a nice pheno hunt right now on the on that temple tie the giant one so uh, we'll have another uh uh you know not totally open pollination but not totally selected uh, Kind of the best couple of males out of the next batch of that, and and see what uh, see what comes with those prodigy. But that'll be released again soon, and uh, yeah, just kind of doing a couple of different things, and uh, working on some more cool automated AI stuff for to make like not so much to solve all of your stuff and control of your equipment, but to kind of give farmers resources that you know can make their life easier or mm-hmm. or cheaper or uh, you know just make stuff much more manageable for one or two people to take care of on the nutrient side and, and pest control side. So uh, that'll be coming out as well. Damn. Very cool, man. And where does everybody go to find this kind of thing? Like where, where can we go to test the, you know, the AI tool that you're making and where can we go to find some of these genetics? I assume you're going to be selling them in the future where, with the, uh, them temple ties. Them oh yeah. So um, you guys, uh, anybody can um, go over to, uh, Copyleft cultivars, um, 
cultivars.com uh, to find out information about Copy Left Cultivars. Uh, if you want to get into the AI, you can find information on that on Patreon at Copy Left Cultivars uh, nonprofit. Um, that's how you can get access to the early access to the beta versions uh, if you want to support the program. Um, and then if you want to uh, just find out when the free version will be made available here in the next uh, few weeks, you can sign up there as well. You don't have to pay anything. You can just sign up on the mailing list and, uh, and we'll email you right away uh, on either one of those websites, uh, mailing list, um, when that's released. Uh, as far as the genetics, um, that'll be released uh, through um, uh, uh, Jordan Rivers, uh, a group that he has over there at uh, uh, Growcast, and um, um, the so the uh, order of cultivation, yeah, yeah, order of cultivation. That's it. And then we also have um, we'll be releasing. A, we have a new site that I'm working on that'll kind of be for um, some different groups that I've been working with overseas. I have a, a, two farms in Africa that I was working with before COVID, and uh, they have some cool genetics now. So uh, we'll be releasing some of their drops and things like that on the new website that we're going to be announcing here in about a month or two. Uh, we're just, I got to finish putting it together and I haven't had the time. So, um, but that'll be uh, uh, up and running soon. And that'll be mainly just cool stuff I've found overseas or groups that I've been working with that uh, have some neat genetics that, uh, you know, kind of want to support and, and give them a way to get it out here. So uh, we found some, some ways to make that happen. So we'll be releasing that as well here in, in the next four or five months. Trying to get that ready for 420, but we'll see if it happens. Oof. Yeah, it's closer than we think. <laughs> oh, my God, it's coming. But, yeah, you're right. It'll be here before yeah. you even blink. That's right, man. Just a couple of months away now. But, yeah. damn. You're always so busy, bro. You're always working on so many different things you know, in the cannabis community. We all appreciate everything you do, man. And that's some good information about aquaponics there as well. I wonder if any of our listeners are going to go out there and set up themselves a fish tank. Or maybe they already have one, which they want to incorporate into their growth. That would be cool to see as well. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm reading Billy's question about using sharks in your fish tank to deter theft. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could use an electric eel. It would probably work better. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, I wonder, wonder what effect that would have on the plants. That's interesting. Hmm. I'm not sure. Well, that would be interesting. I know there was a, a aquarium a while ago. I had an LED Christmas tree that was plugged into their electric eel tank, and you could see like the pulses of electricity as the lights got brighter or dimmer. It was pretty uh, nice. cool. That's great. Man, that is on insane. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of shit. That's weird, man. Yeah, but yeah, it's been a pleasure, Steve. We should let you go and do your thing, man, and go and carry on doing the awesome shit that you're doing. We appreciate your time and, and to come in and chat with us for an hour. We appreciate it, man. It's, yeah. it's going to be cool to see how this AI thing develops over time. Yeah, we're really hoping to help a lot of people with the project, and it's kind of a cool tool that kind of complements some of the other neat stuff that Copy Left Cultivars is doing. Um, so that'll be a, a neat, uh, a neat way to um, help a lot of different people, especially once we make it language mm -hmm. agnostic. Uh, it really will mm -hmm. be a uh, a whole new way to, um, you know, teach people, especially about natural farming. Again, like we talked about before, it mm -hmm. kind of democratized the uh, the education so that it's not just limited to English anymore. Really Very nice. cool, man. Good job mm -hmm. on that. Day. Yeah, I love the way it, it will give your average backyard, uh, you know, hobby gardener here an idea or a chance to grow without using those salts and, and the chemicals. So we definitely need to see more and more of that going. You know, the soil, we're ruining the soil with all of those salts. Got, got to take advantage of it. So I really do applaud you for releasing this tool right out there because this can be a big help to a lot of people i think mm -hmm. maybe change some attitudes so and just one more thing before you go there bro where, where can people find your podcast oh sure yeah you guys can find my podcast on all the different platforms growing with fishes uh on whatever you like podcast we also have a separate podcast which is kind of more of a screw around um have fun with your buddies uh, around the bar kind of thing show uh, but it's all cannabis uh, influencers and, and cannabis growers called that smoke show dat smoke show uh, so Sweet. if you want something that's a little bit uh, a little bit different vibe than the more scientific interviews type sessions that i have on my growing the fishes uh, last week we basically spent an hour trashing uh, uh, a, a gentleman that got in trouble for for some uh, some things he should not have been doing uh, in the industry and uh, in a very comical way uh, and, and things like that so on a, on a serious topic because uh, i don't want to 
I don't want to get into it too much, but um, yeah, it was it was really fun uh, to to really highlight you know the whole situation in a really comical way. So definitely nice. come check it out, and then also check it out. It was over on um, Chad Westport's new comedy show, um, oh, yeah. Wacky Grass. Yeah, check that out as well if you guys aren't aware of it. Uh, uh, me and Grambo from Dude Grows were were on there last time. So uh, if you're looking for something really funny, uh, that's another show that I, I love that I'm part of. That's a, a really fun. Nice. And there we go, everybody. That was Steve Raisner. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Of course, you can head over to your favorite search engine, search for Steve Raisner or Growing with Fishes or even that smoke show that's d-a-t smoke show if you search for any of those then you'll find them on all the social networks and you'll find the youtube channels as well so you can watch those shows over there if you wanted to so again thank you to steve but of course thank you to you guys who have downloaded and listened to this interview i hope you enjoyed it and i hope we can catch you at the live stream on sunday which will be over at youtube.com slash high on homegrown and it will be at 9 p.m uk time 4 p.m eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. So I hope you have a good week. Stay high, stay safe, and I hope to see you at the live stream on Sunday. But if not, we'll see you on Monday for the Cannabis News. See you on the next one, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.